I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. The Athletics Aston Villa writer Greg Evans is back with me this week, fresh from his break. Villa have not been doing well while you've been gone, Greg, so don't go on holiday again, but how are you? Yep, good, thanks, Dan. Good to be back. Been doing uh, lots of lots of work since you got back? Yeah, it's been very busy, actually. Lots of games, um, obviously, at Liverpool uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, the, the disappointing defeat at Sheffield United. So, yeah, all go since I've been back. Yeah, good, good. We'll talk about what you've got coming up later on in the show. So it has been a couple of games since our last podcast, as, as Greg just said. One where we got the job done and one that did not go to plan at all. On this week's episode, we'll cover Villa easing into the semi-finals of the League Cup, the return of club captain and one of my favourites, James Chester, beating at Bramwell Lane. Greg will give us the lowdown on our latest league defeat. And with three mammoth games coming up, we look ahead to the busy Christmas period. Of course, we'll also have our weekly feature, the Villa Vault. So, Greg, you Villa Park last night, bit of a hide into nothing. I felt felt for Villa. It was a bit of a lose lose situation, but we did get the job done. And to be fair, I was a bit worried after the after the first ten minutes. But if you'd have told me then that we'd win five nil. I'd have been delighted. How did you see it? Yeah, I was quite surprised actually by Liverpool. The the way they started, as you say, Dan, was um, incredible really. Uh, I think some of the players were a little bit surprised as well. They didn't necessarily know what to expect from the youngsters. Um, I wrote a piece in The Athletic today just saying, uh, you know, all the the um, the hard work that some of the backroom staff had to, had to put in to, to get the... Uh, preparation and, and analysis just ready for for Villa's players um but yeah the, the, the game itself it was it was a, a difficult start for Villa t- first 10 15 minutes but after that they they took control and it was a very professional job as soon as they scored the, the first goal there was only ever going to be one winner wasn't there yeah Reggie Pace this, this morning actually I, I really really enjoyed it I thought it was quite an interesting take on to take from what was what was going on with with the game but I was quite fancy myself uh, as an analyst did you it's a weird one, isn't it? Because that they literally will have had nothing to, to draw upon for that game. I don't. I imagine Liverpool's academy games are filmed, but although those players won't have ever played together, but before, so it was a really interesting read. And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it, it was just a. It was a strange sort of. It was a strange period for Villa to, to build up to it because they'd, they'd obviously lost at Sheffield United. The the mood was very low and down. Um, and then they were asked to sort of pick themselves up for this game uh, against Liverpool and. Other than Harvey Elliott, the majority of the players didn't know too much about the Liverpool players that were going to be playing. Yeah. So it was a case of the analysts had to go through various pla- uh, scouting platforms to pick up uh, various various clips and footage of the youngsters in action. Um, spoke to James Chester after the game and he said that it was quite weird watching... Um, clips of players at training grounds rather than yeah. at actual stadiums uh, you know you can imagine it they're all in the room and you know up on the big screen and you're just at a small little training ground with a, a 16 or 17 year old as the focus but look Dean Smith pays a lot of attention um, to the opposition he, he he leans on his um, analysts and sports scientists to to try and gain that extra percent to to, yeah. to, to prepare his side um, and they did that you know they the, the analysts did a brilliant job they prepared um, some of the footage for the players uh, and they were ready but to be honest it, I mean there was one example I'm, I'm, I made in the in the piece Louis, Louis Longstaff who the, the striker who was actually the, the third choice under 18 striker we no, that's mad that is <laughs> you know it's crazy so fair play to Esri Konza and, and James Chester they they kept him very quiet and uh, but it's just games like that you just don't know what to expect do you sometimes one of those kids one of those youngsters might have just brought something that surprised them and um, but no look 
it was a relatively comfortable job in the end. I, I put a lot of emphasis on the analysts, but you know, fair play to the players as well because they went out there and they were very professional and got the job done. So what, what I like about that piece is that I've always thought of Villa has been a little bit behind the times. We've had managers that perhaps you would say are a bit old school, perhaps, perhaps not keeping up with the latest trends in football. And I, I like to hear that Dean Smith leans on his analysts, he leans on his, his sports scientists and, and, and he's using them. I think that's really good and it shows that we are a pro- progressive club because it perhaps hasn't always been like that without being too harsh on, on the previous managers. There's a, there's a good piece in The Athletic as well from James Pearce and Simon Hughes, which which focuses on, on the Liverpool angle as well. So it's quite interesting to read the two together this morning and, and think about Jurgen Klopp sitting sitting in far, far away, watch, watching that game, the, the manager of Liverpool Football Club, watching his team play on the TV. Just, do you think it's a bit farcical, the, the whole situation, really? Yeah, it is in a way, isn't it? It just the Carabao Cup. It just it dampens it, doesn't it? You just think, what you know, what what is that? What is that competition now? Yeah, it's it's a shame. I think in some ways I feel for Liverpool because what could they have done? Um, you know, they were faced with that difficult situation. Villa were open to changing the the fixture if Liverpool wanted to, but Liverpool decided that they were they were going to play the play the two fixtures on the days. Um, I just think that. It was a brilliant. Okay, we don't talk too much about Liverpool, but it was just a brilliant experience for those youngsters. Yeah, so they'll never forget it. Exactly. You know, Nick Neil Critchley spoke after the game and said um, he came into the press conference room after and he said, I, d- "I don't want this experience to end. You know, you, you guys can ask me questions all night about my players. I'm so proud of them." Um, and 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 it's just weird because they lost five nil. <laughs> you know, there was nothing in a normal result to celebrate about losing five nil, but. You know, he did that, that those youngsters gained so much from it. Um, I think what we're forgetting more than anything is Villa are now into a semi-final. I mean, I know. it's huge, isn't it? Really? I mean, you, you say at the start of the season in in August, if if Villa are in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup, you take it regardless of how they got there. Okay, they uh, they they cruised past um, League League Two crew. They had Brighton's kids who they beat, Wolves' kids who they beat, Liverpool's kids who they beat. <laughs> you know, it's been an easy passage, but they've still got to get the job done. Um, and I suppose it all starts now. Now, yeah, it's a competition that I'm very fond fond of. We won the Coca Cola Cup as it was when, when I was young, so in '94 and '96, and I, I just assumed, oh, this happens every few years. Being a Villa fan, you go to Wembley, Villa, Villa win silverware, and then hasn't happened again <laughs> since since 1996, <laughs> with the exception of the playoffs uh, last season, but. Could have been a different game because earlier Nealand had to make two very, very important saves early doors. Yeah, impressive performance from him as well. I thought he did really well. That those two saves you mentioned, yeah, one from Harvey Elliott, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, and and then another one just a couple of couple of minutes later. So those are important saves. I think that I think the performance and the display from him will will do him the world of good as well. Uh, you know, a clean sheet, and I know he's got aspirations of of getting back into the uh, the Norway squad. Um, because he he's, he's fallen down the pecking order, so that'll be good for him. Uh, but yeah, the game could have the game could have gone either way, to be honest. And I do feel a little bit sorry for Liverpool because I think that their performance warranted a goal. I think they deserved one. Yeah. And and was it a five 0 game? Probably not really. It wasn't. But what I will say is, obviously, when it's a young team playing, there's there's obviously always going to be an element of naivety. And I think as yeah. buzzy and bright as they were going forward, I thought defensively, as you'd expect. They found it hard to keep their concentration and a little bit naive at times. The first goal, I mean, the keeper should probably save it, shouldn't he? I know he's very well thought of at Liverpool, but he's got to do better there. 
yeah, the, the first two goals he, he, he would have been disappointed with. Obviously, the second one, uh, a very unlucky deflection that just looped over him. The first one, he's got to do better for, yeah, of course. Um, but I actually thought, on the whole, his performance was pretty good. Maybe one of the best performers, you know, of, of the eleven. Uh, he, he looked very solid, and from the from the Liverpool press people I was speaking to at the game, uh, they have high hopes for him as well. So w- might be one to keep an eye on in the future. Yeah, I think he's been in and around the Republic of Ireland squad. He's definitely played for the under twenty ones, and he's been in senior squads as as well. Villa have actually made ten changes themselves from, from the weekend. I think Lansbury's the only person that, that kept his place from that defeat at Sheffield United. So at the start, perhaps maybe you can forgive Villa for being a little bit disjointed as well, because that eleven won't have played together too many times in the past but then we get the goal you get another one straight away and you probably game over at 2-0 you're feeling quite comfortable and confident aren't you yeah the, the goal changed it didn't it? it it just sort of settled Villa down and, and you're right what you say it was a uh, a patched up Villa team so to speak you know they don't they haven't played too much together um, I thought Douglas Louise was was decent. I thought. Did thought, you say? I thought he was quiet. Right, right. Okay. No, no. I mean, yeah. He's different opinions, isn't yeah. it? I suppose you see different games, but I just thought that he came into his own. I actually thought. I thought starting to see a little bit more of what he's about. Um, okay, he's up against youngsters in, in the midfield. You know, inexperienced. I young suppose he's quite young himself. Yeah, but that that you know he's an international, isn't he? Yeah. And he's up against players who have never played in a, a senior appearance. So um, I think that quality showed. Let's just hope we can see a bit more from him because you know we, we've discussed this previously. Haven't we? we we don't really quite know what he is yet. Whether he's a an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder, nah. where where he gets his best from. Um, I just thought he showed some good signs there, and it was um, quite clear that Smith felt that as well because as he walked off, he. He sort of gave him a bit of extra extra attention, yeah, and he was smiling at him. And I just thought that was a sign that he was quite pleased with what he'd done. Do you think he played himself into contention then for, for, for Saturday? He didn't start, did he, against Sheffield United? Do you think he'll be back in the eleven on Saturday? Yeah, he, I mean, look, he, he, definitely, he definitely improved on the last performance anyway. Yeah, he wasn't good against he Leicester. Terrible against Leicester, wasn't he? I mean, let's be honest. Um, he was just, you know, we didn't see anything from him, but... Um, yeah, Lansbury's played the last two games, hasn't he? I think his position will be under threat now, coming into the um, the game against Southampton. Whether it's whether it's Connor Connor Hurrahan who who comes in or Douglas Louise, I don't know yet. But um, the two of them are the two of them have put themselves in, in contention. Yeah, I think they'll both play a home game. I mean, we're going to come on to the Christmas fixtures, but I think at a home game, I'd expect Nakamba to be the one that, that misses out. And I don't think Lansbury will start either. So I think both of them might come into the fray. On, on Saturday, someone else that put put themselves in contention for the game at the weekend. Not my favourite player, if I'm, if I'm being honest, but Jonathan Codgett, he, he scored two goals. I think he sneakily tried to climb a third, but I don't think Connor was having that in, in the post-match interview. What did you make of Codger? I thought he did okay, actually. I've I've not been the kindest to him in some of the articles I've written recently. Okay, uh, I think that he's he's been, been very under underwhelming the last couple of seasons. Really, um, okay, he's had his injuries. I just think that when he came on against Tottenham and Liverpool, Villa were in the lead against both of them, um, and ended up losing both games. And I just think he played a, a part in that, unfortunately, but. It was good to see him smiling again yesterday. Uh, you know, Villa are going to need him, especially over this busy Christmas period. They need their strikers because they've only got Wesley and, and, and Codger. So, yeah, he took his chances well. Uh, looked confident. Looked a little bit back to the old sort of Jonathan Codger that we that we remember from the Championship. So, um, hopefully that will that'll give his confidence a boost. 
playing devil's advocate a little bit, do you not think there was an opportunity there for him to do more? Go go on and actually get his hat-trick? I mean, I know naturally the whole team is going to slow down a bit in the second half. The game's won, but there could have been a real desire for him to go out there and get more goals and make it impossible for, for Smith to drop him at the weekend. But obviously Wesley's come on, come on and scored. I just think there's no way Kodra plays at the weekend, no way he starts. And it was a chance for him to hammer home the message. People will say to me, OK, he scored two goals. What, what more can he do? But I think there was more there from him and I was a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I do think he had a decent decent performance. I, I don't think it's the time to to pick pieces in his performance. I think he's got two goals. I get your point. Yeah, maybe. I know previous managers have wanted to see more from him in, in the games that he's played, but I think yesterday was a, a step in the right direction. One player who I thought really could have done with a goal, but just had so many chances, but just kept missing was Trezeguet. Yeah, and he's been in fairly good scoring form, hasn't he, over the last month yeah. or so? It just, it just wasn't going for him last night, wasn't it? I, I, could, I could I could see in his face he was getting more and more frustrated as the as the chances were going begging. It was just um, it was quite painful to watch actually because uh, he must have had five really good opportunities and, and failed to take them all. But other than other than Trezeguet's opportunities, I don't think Villa really had any other any other opportunities they didn't take. They were quite clinical and ruthless last night. Yeah, that, that was the difference in the first half because Liverpool had had phases of play where they looked dangerous, but. Villa took their chances in quick succession and and killed the game. And I've, I've slagged Codger off, but credit to him, he's, he took his two goals well. I can't I can't knock his finishes, but Wesley's also come on and scored a goal, which I'm really pleased about. Eight or nine games without a goal for him, he was absolutely desperate for a goal. What what was the feeling at Villa Park when he scored? Was it was it relief? I imagine it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was it was, it was, a, it was a strange feeling after when uh, when Codger got his second goal because I think collectively Villa Park were just thinking right. Get Wesley on now. <laughs> he needs yeah. to score. You know, he 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 needs this goal, and he's going to get a goal against these lads. Um, the fact that he scored with literally the last kick of the game, I mean, just couldn't have got any better for him. Really, um, he needed that goal. He obviously hasn't scored for nine league games previously, so um, Villa Park were very pleased for him. You could see, and you could see the players were as well. Every single one of them went up to him and congratulated him. So you know, in the in the last minutes, in the last seconds. Of a, of a game that's comfortably wrapped up for every single player to go and congratulate him just shows how um, how pleased they are and, and how the team are starting to pull together. Yeah, Trezeguet almost looked frightened to go and celebrate with him. Oh, I, thought, I don't know whether you've seen the, seen the clip back. He always look, almost looked like he was worried about what Wesley was going to do in, in celebration. He looked quite wary going over to him. But like, like you say, I understand he's, he's very popular in the dressing room. He's not always been popular in, in the whole end this season from, from what I've heard and, and seen. But... It's a good finish. He's, he's took that goal well in off the post. He's tucked it away nicely. And the goals he has scored, he showed that he's capable of, of hitting the target and scoring goals when he is one-on-one. It's just we haven't seen too many of those one-on-ones. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he needs more. He needs to do more, no doubt about it. Um, I, I'd say that maybe he hasn't missed too many opportunities, which no. is whether whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, because as a striker, he should be getting into those positions to, to score, surely. But let's try and take the positives. He's, he's scored now. Um, he's got to take that into the league. He's, he's coming up against four clubs now that are all around Villa in the table. These are the games where your record signing, your £22 million striker has to be scoring um, and has to be leading the way. So let's hope Wesley can do it for Villa now in, in the games ahead. So back back to the league now. Obviously, we've we've had a bit of a cup run. It's good. We're, we're in the semi-finals. We're all really pleased about that. I think everyone's got an affection for the league cup. But is it a bit of a unnecessary distraction in some ways? I personally don't think it is. I think it can be a good thing, but some people will say 
Well, we need to concentrate on the Premier League, and this is this is a distraction. Uh, no doubt about it. The Premier League is the most important thing with Villa. You know, everybody knows that. People at the club and and the fans staying in the Premier League is the most important thing this season. But I think the the run in the League Cup is, is a good thing for Villa. I think it, it's giving the players who don't always start in the Premier League the chance to show what they're made of. And yeah. I've said this before to you, Dan. I think that give or take a couple of players, you know, the Grealishes, McGinn's, maybe Mings. Um, Villa's team is much of a muchness for me. I think that you can replace the majority of the players with another player and there's not much difference. So I think that's 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 working well for Villa at the moment. That's why they're getting through these games comfortably. Um, and it's, it's also helping bring the group together and keep the group together because if it's the same team playing every single week and there's players that are not getting on and not getting their opportunity, they're going to be angry and frustrated and that can go against a team at times because... You know, if if you've got unhappy faces, unhappy people at the training ground, and they're you know they're miserable and sulking around, that can um, have a knock-on effect. But there's no Villa player really that hasn't had an opportunity this season. Everybody's no, everybody's had a run, and at, yeah, at the same time, they know that if they're getting the opportunities, they've just got to show what they're made of. And if they don't, then they're out of the team. So it's it's entirely down to them. Um, I just think that cup run is really helping. It keeps people ticking over, I guess, fitness-wise as well, because yeah. a lot of the Villa senior players, you don't really ever see them involved in the under-23s. That much Villa pretty much stick with their under-23s for that, so it is a good sense in, it is a good thing in terms of fitness. Harahan used it to his advantage earlier on in the season as well. He was out of the team, performed well in the League Cup, got himself back into the team for the Premier League game. So, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff you've raised there is, is really, really valid. Now, someone we'd seen nothing of, this season, one of my favourite players, as, as I said earlier, James Chester. How good was it to see him back in a Villa shirt again? Yeah, it was excellent. You know, it's, it's there's, there's not really much sentiment left in football, is there? But to see him playing out there was was brilliant. You know, that one of the players that deserves it the most. One of the you know, he absolutely loves Villa. He's done, he's he's played through the pain for Villa, put his career on the line, um, managed to get a couple of minutes with him after the game. Yeah, he was in he was in really good spirits. Um, he said that the last game that he played for, uh, against Ipswich, he started he, from the first minute to the 90th minute. He hated every minute of it, yeah. Pure, purely because he was injured. He knew that his form had dropped, and he was just thinking, "This, this has got to end." You know, I, I need to get out of this. I can't continue playing. Um, so he, he was really grateful to the to the Villa fans as well for the standing ovation that they gave him. Um, he he said as he as he departed on 75 minutes, he said that that moment. We'll, we'll stick with him for a long time. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure he'll, James Chester will play again for Villa, but you think? I think I was, so. was going to ask what do you think his long term future is because at the moment I'd probably make him rightly or wrongly fifth choice centre back. You did a piece on him earlier on in the season about his regime and his fitness. Do you think he's fully over his, his injury concerns? Now, I know he's got to manage it, mm. but do you think he's he's well enough to play in the Premier League? I think he's ready to play in the Premier League. Yeah, I can't, I think it, James James will admit himself that he, he's never going to be fully over this injury, unfortunately. He's going to have this for the rest of his life now and, and his career. Um, he has to manage it. He has to train uh, alone once a week, every Monday. Um, he works specifically on, on st- uh, knee-strengthening exercises. A bit Paul McGrath-esque. Though, yeah, it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, f- but for the re- remainder of the week, he, he's with the group, so you know he's very much involved. Um, but he just knows that it's never going to 
totally disappear. And from from what I'm from what I'm told, he, he's pain free now. You know, in, uh, he used to have used to have to have injections in his knee. I think every Saturday to to get through the games. Which I mean, you know, that that's 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 never right, is it? That's that's long term. That's never going to work. Um, but that's all stopped now. Um, and he's uh, yeah so. He's he's back ready for it. It's been a weird situation for him as well because obviously Jack Grealish has captained us in every game. He's been fit in the Premier League this season. Mings has filled in when he's needed to. But James Chester is the club captain of Aston Villa. I think people assume now that, that Jack is, but he's actually vice captain, isn't he? And yeah. Chester will want to want to make an impression and, and get himself back in there. It must be weird to one be club captain and having been nowhere near the team this season. And we have brought in a lot a lot of centre backs. Well, actually, yeah, we bought in four centre-backs in the summer, if you include the two loans that we turned into permanent. So he's seen a lot of people come through the door in his position as well. But he's actually been a hero for Villa over the last three and a half years because without players like him, Villa aren't back in the Premier League. He was he was part of a new wave of play that actually cared about the football club. The people that were there before when we got relegated were, quite frankly, taking the mick. And ja- James Chester deserves a lot of credit and a lot of love from the Villa fans, and it was great to see him get that last night. Do you think he'll play over Christmas? Uh, I can't see him be playing in the league. I think he's certainly uh, got into Dean Smith's head. You know, he would have looked at that performance and thought, "Okay, we, we've still got a solid performer there who we can turn to." Um, he said after the game, Dean uh, Smith, that he that he that he was pleased with his reliability. You know, it was nice to see that sort of senior uh, figure leading by example. You got to remember, he was alongside Ezri Konzu, still only twenty-one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he just he just looked very confident and assured in his performance. I think we're going to maybe see him next in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup, or maybe in the um, FA Cup trip to Charlton. Is it Fulham? Fulham, sorry, yeah. Fulham. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. He might might get a run, might get a run out in there. But I just think at the moment, Konza and and Engels and and uh, Hawes are ahead of him. Yeah, it was a comfortable night for James Chester. I think it was quite low risk to put him in for that game. <laughs> Something that wasn't comfortable, Bramall Lane on Saturday, second half in particular, it was not a pleasant watch, Greg. Really strange day, actually, because I was waxing lyrical about how Villa needed that first half performance. It wasn't great on the eye, and I said... No, I think I agreed with you. I agreed with you there. They needed it, didn't they? Yeah. They just needed to show that they, they, they're they not this sort of open, expansive team that have got no balls, so to speak, at, you know, at, at the back. They just they needed to show that they could tighten up and that there was a plan B and that they could be a bit more compact and stop opponents. And they did that. And over the course of the game, they only allowed Sheffield United seven shots, um, seven registered shots at goal, which is the first time this season that they've reduced a, an opponent to, to single figures, which I mean, I mean, is crazy, itself. isn't it? You know, it's just mad. I mean, even against Liverpool last night, there was... There was, I, can't, I think it's 14. Uh, Neil was busier than he target, should have been. You know, so the problem you've got with that type of performance is if you don't offer anything in attack, it's going to be so dull and boring to watch. And in, in a way, I feel sorry for the fans that went to that game because they didn't get anything. They didn't, they didn't no. see anything. There was, you know, even Grealish missed a penalty in front of them. It was just, it just didn't work that day. But it's a bad day at the office. Sheffield United are flying high. Um, you know, the, the, that the Villa's season isn't going to be defined by that one result, but they, they need a reaction now. These four games coming up that they're, I mean, that's potentially season defined. I mean, they put themselves under pressure, I would say, with, with those games coming up now. Yeah. Because, I mean, we got pummeled at Sheffield United last season in the Championship, so it's it's, it's nothing new to us. But the thing that's worrying me is you, you talk about that first half, and I agree with you, I thought we were very resolute in that first half, and it was what was needed, especially off the back of a hammering against, against Leicester the, the week before. 
but we seem to have this bad habit at the moment of within five minutes of kickoff of the second half, we've let in a goal, and that's, that's three or four times it's happened recently now, and that that's a concerning pattern. Yeah, there's... It's unfortunate that these worrying trends are continuing, aren't they? At the start of the season, it was giving away go- uh, giving away late goals and conceding points from winning positions. Now the pattern, the worrying pattern, is conceding immediately after half time. Don't know what you put that down to because you got to look at it from two points. You got to think, well, Chris Wilder would have got into his side and said, look, you know, the, that first half wasn't quite us, wasn't quite good enough. Um, you need to do better, and and they did immediately. And then you've got Dean Smith, who probably would have said to his Villa side, "Yeah, you did well. Yeah, pleased with that performance. Very resolute. Now let's open ourselves up a little bit and and try and give something more going forward." So maybe if you counteract the two, that 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 you know brings what might happen yeah. <laughs> after. But I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to pick between the pieces here, but. It's a worrying trend which needs to obviously stop because it's one of the worst times, I think, to concede a goal because you, you've just had that regroup. Um, you've just been given a clear direction and, and everything goes out the window, doesn't it? Because the goal changes everything. Do you think it's hard to turn defence back into attack then at that point? Because you've been so used in, used to that game in the first half, defending, keep keeping it tight, and then suddenly, oh, now, now, we, now we need a goal. Now, now we need to be a bit more expansive. I think you then struggle to get that rhythm. I think I think that's that's kind of natural. And then when the second goal com- goes in, you pretty much n- know it's game over. And we did start to look a little bit lively just just before mm. they scored. I think Grealish flashed one across the goal. Wesley hit the side netting. So that there were slight opportunities there for us to, for us to do something. But again, we can see the second at a bad time after we've just had a bit of sustained pressure. And then you talked about the penalty. Wesley, I think probably would have taken it, wouldn't he? Had he been on the pitch, and it would have been good to see him step up and perhaps took it away and get his confidence up in the Premier League. But then on the, the flip side, if he'd have been on the pitch and missed, I think the Villa fans would have absolutely lost it. And as he is, it's the, it's the hero, the talisman that steps up and misses the penalty. Yeah, it, um, I really would have liked to have seen Wesley obviously take it if he was on the pitch. You, you know, And if he'd have scored, that had at least confidence the world are good. Uh, Jack Grealish has always wanted to take penalties. The fact that he doesn't is because he believes the striker deserves to take the penalties because he's more judged on um on, on his statistics and his yeah. goals. I, I think that's really that's really mature leadership because Grealish as the captain could easily say, No, I want to take the penalties but he allows Wesley to so I think that's I think that's you know that, that that's very mature leadership from him. Um but from what I understand is if Wesley ever didn't fancy taking a penalty, if he wasn't on the pitch then Grealish would step up as he did at Sheffield United and will continue to do so. Nothing wrong with his technique. He he sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Yeah. He just <laughs> two inches below and it was a goal, wasn't it? You know, the crossbar's done him. Um I think he won't have a problem the next time he steps up to take a penalty. He's obviously already scored in a high pressure environment in the playoff semi final. Yeah. Um so that will stand him in good stead. I know from his England days, uh, England under twenty one days, he, he practiced penalties heavily and was one of the most reliable um, within the under-21 group. So he backs himself from 12 yards, and I'm sure if he gets another opportunity, he'll take it. I found your piece you did earlier in the week quite quite fascinating, actually, because there was something I learned that, that I didn't know. So Codger actually scored his, his last penalty for Villa, and he was on the pitch at the time. He stepped up against Rotherham, and it was a very good penalty. But then I knew he didn't fancy taking one at West Brom in the semi-final, the playoff semi-final you just talked about. 
to then have Villa just withdrawn him from from taking penalties? Is he not even in the mix now when he's on the pitch? I think if Villa would have got a penalty yesterday against Liverpool, he would have come into contention. Okay. I, I'd have thought Horahan would have would have been ahead of him um, because he took one away in the semi final. His pens as well, I think, when he was there. Yeah, didn't yeah, they? and I think he scored one for Villa, didn't he, in the Championship? Yeah, he scored yeah, in the so playoffs. He, the fact that he put himself about in the semi final in a real high pressure environment and Cod just sort of stayed quiet and said, "No, I That's don't fancy madness. one." I would have thought if if it come to it yesterday, Horahan would have would have got the nod ahead of Kodja. But um, yeah, I, I just think well, I mean Wesley and Grealish will be ahead of him now, um, and I can't really see a situation where Wesley and Kodja are, are on the pitch at the same time anyway. So no, that's true. You don't think Kodja's maybe going to come in wide at some point in the coming games? Possibly. I just Smith hasn't used him very often, has he? No. I don't know whether he trusts him enough defensively to. To, to stick to the to stick to the defensive plan, but no, it does strike me there's a there's a lack of trust there b- between the two of them. Do you think if Villa get another striker in, Codger Codger days are numbered? Uh, well, he's out of contract, isn't he? In the summer, yeah. I can't see them offering him a new deal. Uh, if they get a decent if they get a decent offer for him in the sum- in January, he'll go, um, or at least Villa will be open to yeah. letting him go. I, I would probably think that Codger would would see out his contract now. He, he he wouldn't get the money that he's on at Villa probably elsewhere. So he'd be happy to stay at Villa and, and see out his contract, I'd have thought. Well, let's talk about the Christmas period coming up then because we've touched on it a couple of times. But we've given ourselves serious work to do with, with recent results. I mean, the three games that you'd look to win anyway over Christmas and then Burnley, Burnley on New Year's Day, I'd say that's a, that's a tough trip to turf more there. But the next three are the ones that people have earmarked for a while. I think we've earmarked games previously, and we've we've not done it, have we? But would you a win? How do you see the Christmas period? Yeah, it's going to be really tough. Uh, the the two teams who are, who I actually who I definitely think are worse than Villa at this stage are still Southampton and uh, and Norwich. Just I feel like I feel like Watford might still get out of it. They they had a decent performance against Liverpool. They didn't had a they? lot of chances. They played yeah. some nice football as well. Str- strange to see. Strange to see a side. Especially a side of the bottom of the league, yeah, uh, creating so many chances against the best team in the in the probably in the world right now. Um, they've just got to find somebody who can score them the goals, I suppose, and, and tuck them away. We, we know that Troy Deeney hates Villa and will be uh, will be fired up for that game, whether he whether he can get on the the score sheet or not um, remains to be seen. But yeah, a couple of tough games for Villa. Southampton, the one that I'm very confident that Villa could could get past this Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the big one, and that all if they can get if they can get off to a flying start. Because I'm looking at this gap this 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 these games as a a real season defining period it's yeah. almost like a mini tournament isn't it these these four games so if they can get if they can get off to a flying start and beat southampton then um i would think the aim after that would be to not lose maybe the watford one's interesting because if we'd applied them a few weeks ago i'd have really really fancied us but in typical villa style i think we're going to catch them at the wrong time because <laughs> i think they will have won a game before we, we face them at Vicarage Road. So I, I think that's the toughest of the three. Obviously, it's the one that, that's away from home. Are you happy with six points from those three if you're offered it? Yeah. You're offered I th- it right now? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think if you get six points out of those three, it'd be, it'd be a good a good at, um, turnaround. Uh, I think the key is just to try not to lose any of the games more than anything because that would just allow the other teams to catch up on Villa. And, and it is now, as mad as it sounds, a case of 
just three teams have been worse than Villa. You know, that's yeah. all that's all they need, really. So it's still totally in their own hands. So as long as they don't lose, that's the most important thing. Um, I firmly believe they'll get the job done in the home games. Um, and then, you know, if they could get six points for those first two, you'd go to Watford. And True. Wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a free hit, but no. you, you would be you would be um, able to express yourself a little bit and be confident going into it. I just remember the last time we were at Watford, it was uh, Troy Deeney. Uh, he scored a couple, didn't he? And he was running up to the away and giving oh, yeah, it, giving it, it well. all that. And oh, horrible to see, really. But <laughs> let's, let's hope it's not the same this time. Well, he's barely played this season, has he? So he, he's probably due a goal as well. Yeah. So my pessimistic side coming out. It's, it's those back-to-backs that are massive, like you say. Villa won back-to-backs against Norwich and Brighton earlier on in the season and it does move you up the league it gives you a bit of confidence and that's what we need from now till the end of the season we need to have a few runs where you do win back-to-back games because that is what gets you up the league I mean look at Newcastle they're 11th and I'm looking at them now and thinking at the start of the season I had them down as certainties to go down and struggle but now I'm thinking they're probably going to be safe because I think they've probably done enough in the first half of the season whereas we haven't at this current time no, definitely. I remember when Villa beat Newcastle, I thought, yeah, they're definitely going to be in there. I thought they were probably one of the poorest teams oh, that, they were that, bad that, that, that Villa have played. Um, since then, they've turned it around. just shows, doesn't it, that in this league that you can you can quickly dust yourself down and, 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 and go again, so to speak. And, and if you just get those one or two or even three wins, you fly at the table and it relieves so much pressure. But... This is the time for Villa to do it that I wrote earlier in the week. They haven't really had, other than the Man United draw, they haven't really had a surprise result, have they? They've lost no. to the top. They've lost to the top six out of the top seven, so they're just expected results. Whereas every other team seems to, other than Watford, seems to have had some sort of surprise result. Villa just need one of them really to give them a bit of a boost, but. Um, if they can get the job done in the next three or four games, then probably won't really matter too much. Yeah, that's what I want to see because we've, we've had a few the, the games we've been leading in day one, Spurs, you won nil up with about 15 minutes left. I, th- I think it was, you think you might pick up an early surprise. Arsenal, that game's still haunting me because we definitely should have won that one. So, you like you say, those big games where you're not expected to get anything, Villa also, as well as Steins, need to pick up away from home. They need to pick up points against the teams that you wouldn't expect because we haven't done that in the first half of the season. We'll finish as ever with the Villa Vault where we delve into Villa's archives and look back at a moment that's basically memorable to us. It could be something as stupid as a haircut, a a mischance, basically anything. And Greg, you've come prepared with a story today from 1993. Yep, we're taking it back to um, all all the way back to those, uh, those exciting times in 1993. Aston Villa were invited to play Everton in Mauritius for a pre season friendly. Um, we don't get trips like that anymore, do no. we? <laughs> Not to Mauritius, anyway. <laughs> uh, and uh, the late Doug Ellis kindly allowed the the married players of the team to bring their wives along for a, an extra one thousand pounds. Obviously, one thousand pound for for ten nights in the in the Saint Geran, which it was at the time the, the best hotel in the world. Um, it was a no brainer, you know. Champagne at breakfast, sun soaked days by the pool, unrivaled beach views. You <laughs> know, obviously, all the players were were, were very excited by that. Um, but it emerged a few years later that the, the organiser of the trip told some of the players that the um, the wives had already been had already been paid for by the trip. So, for. Yeah, so it turns out that Doug had actually pocketed around ten thousand pounds from the players. Um, now the players were wondering why why Doug wasn't staying in the hotel with them because he'd instead chose to to to, um, to, to be in a, in a private bungalow on the beach. So uh, it actually Doug. turns out that uh, that. 
the, the, the players probably pay for Doug rather than Doug playing for the players. So, um, look, you know, we, we know Ellis, he, he, he was a clever and crafty businessman. He, he did a lot of good for Villa. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and sadly passed away last year. He, he, helped, he helped the club through a troubled period and uh, will obviously be remembered for, for the good times that he helped bring to the club. But that was just one of the funny memories from, from some of the players and, uh, you know, their, their time dealing with him. So I'm sure we'll have plenty more on the Villa Vault from him in the, in the future. I was going to say, I think I've got a couple of stories that I could tell about Doug Ellis that maybe we'll, we'll look into in future <laughs> Villa Vault episodes. Well, thanks ever so much for joining me today, Greg. There's, there's been plenty to discuss, plenty going on, and I suppose we'll have plenty to discuss in future episodes with all the games coming up as well. That was 1874, a weekly podcast dedicated to Aston Villa Football Club. It's one of 11 shows released by The Athletic this week, including the Ornstein and Chapman show. To download that and much more, go to theathletic.com forward slash Villapod for a 40% discount. We'll be back next week with a transfer special here on 1874, so make sure you look out for that and tuning. We'll have plenty to discuss. We'll look at what Villa need, who might be on their way. We'll also go back and look at previous January transfer windows and look at some flops and look at some things that we've done well as well. Have a great Christmas up the Villa. Mm-hmm.